Hello, this is Daryl. Before we begin today's show, I want you to take a guess. Take a guess on average how many days people in the US have to wait to see a doctor. What would you say, a week? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major US cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state or from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. And with Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Once again, that's getroman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Hello and welcome to a surprise Total Soccer show. My name is Daryl Grove. I'm joined as ever by Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. And in the hotel room, which is now at capacity, we have <laughs> one half of the Cooligans, Mr. Alexis Guerreros. Hello, yeah, Alexis. Yeah, what's up, everybody? And the new Cooligan replacing Christian Polanco. <laughs> it's Bobby Warshaw. Hello, Bobby. That's the dream, dude. That's <laughs> the dream. <laughs> Christian just crashed the train he's on right now. <laughs> can, we, Alexis, can we give them the warning? About the warning that they gave you not to just hijack the show. Yes, uh, I was. I said oh, your fans are going to hate me on the show, and they go, "Well, as long as you don't take over." I'm like, "Well, I don't do that." And everyone just stood quiet and didn't make eye contact with me. <laughs> we are here to sort of review, sort of the Champions League action from today. We all met up and we saw uh, Chelsea v Bayern in a bar. Can't say we watched properly, properly because we were chatting away. We rewatched the goals, right? Bobby, so Bobby we, tried. I think I, Bobby I think tried. I tried Bobby's yeah. ear off several times. But we, yeah, but his eyes are on the screen. His ears are on you. Right? That's probably uh, true. So uh, we've got some analysis of the goals for you, and then also Barcelona Napoli mm-hmm. later in the show. Chelsea nil, Bayern three. Taylor, you kind of predicted this. I mean, it, it was like based solely on Barcelona, uh, Bayern looking very, very good and Chelsea looking okay, but not as good as Bayern Munich. And mm-hmm. it felt like Bayern were a bit more fluid and like very clear in what they were trying to do and how to make that happen. Yeah. And I feel like Chelsea, especially even with the lineup that Frank Lampard went with the back three, to me that speaks to he was trying something different because it felt like with the back four and their yeah. usual shape, they couldn't really handle what Bayern were going to be throwing at them. And, and maybe it turns out in the second half, at least, they couldn't handle that either. And Bobby, look out. There's a bus coming and I'm going to throw you under it. Early in the first half, yeah. Bobby said, I think Chelsea's defensive game is underrated. I think they're well organized. This was after Taylor said, I think Bayern are going to smash them, basically. So were you wrong or did something else happen? No, I stick by that. Okay. How did, how did all three goals... <laughs> how did goal- you think he was going to answer that? How did, <laughs> of course. Well, how did all three goals happen today? They all came in second ball moments. Okay. It's not as if Bayern broke down either the... I guess did a Chelsea bit- not know there would be second ball moments? That's fair. That's another conversation. But I was talking specifically about the way they defend as a unit. Second okay. balls are an entirely different phase of the game. They're like set pieces, right? Now more than ever, soccer is broken into these different phases. Chelsea is very good for me at the defense at the set defensive block and pressing stage. So, so the first phase? 
it's a full cycle, right? You can't say one is the first or the last. You know, if there's six or eight or ten, however you define Which it. Which part of Chelsea are you good at? Like, if you, what, what would you, how would you describe it to someone who doesn't know what you're talking like about? Like run of play defending? Yeah, run of play defending. Okay. That's fair. And you could probably break, break that out, That's break that down into pressing and set block. But I think Chelsea are very good in the defensive phase. The second balls, transition phases, not so much. And is it fair, like, if we would put that in layman's terms, it's like when things get confusing is maybe the way you would I would use say the word chaotic. Balls. I generally yeah. say chaotic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're on the same page there, right? So yes. essentially when things aren't like how you plan for them to exactly. go, that's when you think Chelsea are weaker. And I think thinking of the three goals, we'll get into detail of each one, that kind of bears out. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think part of that goes back to a different uh, formation, a different shape, a different kind of approach to this game. And then I think it is, uh, Bobby and I, or Bobby talked about this a little bit off air, I'm going to hijack it for a moment, but like, it is also the case that this is a Chelsea team that had the transfer ban, they had the January window, obviously, but it's not as though they significantly reinforced. So I think when you're sort of changing up what you're trying to do, was that Daryl's point? Is that what you're saying, Bobby? No, Bobby's I was touching Daryl. I was tapping him to let him know I was going to say something next. Is that not how you guys do it? When no. There's only two people on a show. <laughs> no, no. You just if you're going to say something next, just say something <laughs> okay. next. My bad. My bad. My bad. Go I ahead, would go like ahead. you to raise your hand from now on. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I just didn't know the the TSS. Norms I will start here. caressing you if I'm going to say something. <laughs> I want to yeah, so we should that. all touch each other. <laughs> so well, we think, are in a hotel room. I think just a slightly different formation. I mean, they may, may they've played a back three this season, but to kind of go with it here and probably not with the strongest like lineup that Frank Lampard probably would have wanted against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think Tammy Abraham probably would have made a difference. Yeah. Uh, a fully fit Tammy, Tammy Abraham, one not requiring injections. And Bobby, you had something to say? Yeah, Bobby? I did. Well, <laughs> I, it, my interpretation of Chelsea at this moment, and Frank Lampard's gotten a lot of criticism. When I watch Chelsea as a unit, I find Chelsea to be way ahead of Tottenham, way ahead of Manchester United right now, probably behind the other three. But those other three are really good in the Premier League. Chelsea are in this space where if you try and press in soccer, if you try and pass in soccer, if you try and do these, what I would call the Barca ideals, what Pep made like the perfect vision of soccer, but you don't do them well, you lose. And Chelsea right now just don't have the caliber of players. It's great that they're giving Reese James and Tammy Abraham and Ross Barkley and, and Christensen and some of these younger players and Mason Mount an opportunity. But if you just don't have the players to play that ideal vision you're probably going to lose and that's where i consider chelsea right now they do a lot of things well but play in that style they don't do them well enough to not lose well, let's I'm, talk about i also want to say i just want to say real quick on you, you forgot to touch my knee before you yeah yeah well i mean i touched something else i surprised <laughs> you didn't feel it um i <laughs> my my point is if you're really good at run of play defending and you're not good when things get chaotic then you're just not good defensively because that's, that's something that happens in, yeah. a, in a game. It's like, part of it, right? Yeah, it's something mm-hmm. that happens in a game of soccer. So. All right, let's talk about what did happen in this game. Second yeah. half, three goals. Gnabry in the 51st and 54th, and then Robert Lewandowski in the 76th. Let's start with that first Gnabry goal. Mm. My memory is hazy. Taylor, can you give us the basic talk through of what happened here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's Thiago controlling at midfield. I think uh, Chelsea think he's going to go back with it. Instead, he has like very nice tight control to bring it down, to turn, to play it into, I believe, Serge Gnabry, who drives. He kind of does like the reverse pass to Lewandowski, who squares it to Gnabry. Maybe to Thomas Muller. They were both in there, but it's Gnabry who finishes it well. And I think that was the other thing that I saw from Bayern Munich against Köln this past weekend was a lot of the kind of patterns of playing the quick wall passes, the quick one-twos, and then the uh, off-the-ball running that set up like good then crossfield passes. It was pretty much on display for that first goal. It, what I want to add there, too, is that it started on the Caballero clearance. Yes. Caballero yeah. clears it. Chelsea pushes up their lines. And oh, Giroud that, loses it in the air, right? Giroud yeah. loses it in the air, and that's how it ends up. Maybe there's one more touch there, but that's how it ends up at Thiago's foot. So again, just point out, it was this transition moment in between possessions when Bayern found their dominance. Also, um, you know, if... 
if you look at the pass, I think it's just behind Thomas Mueller. So I think Gnabry yeah. running into space has the perfect opportunity to do it. My question is, is that something that – and I, I only learned this from people breaking down like you know uh, uh, Guardiola's uh, system. Does Where does the confidence come from of sending it into that position? Do they know that someone's going to be making that late run? Or is that Lewandowski looking over and seeing that? Because I don't think he saw it. We should ask the guy who played professionally. It totally depends on the team. Yeah. And some teams have set patterns. Some teams rely on their elite players to figure that out. More and more, more than ever, teams have set patterns. And that is the idea. If you get the ball into this spot, we need A, B, and C runs. So then you make A, B, or C pass. Right. And I, and I think really, if, if I were to t- like distill everything we're going to be talking about that we have talked about, we'll be talking about. I think really, like we've kind of answered it in like the pattern of this game, which is that I think Chelsea didn't really have a plan for when they got hit in the face. And I think <laughs> Bayern had lots of different plans for how to punch uh, Chelsea in the face. So in, in that instance, like it is, it's Chelsea kind of collapsing. I think the ball goes to Lewandowski and everybody thinks like, oh, it's Robert Lewandowski. He's going to score a bunch of goals. You collapse on him. You leave that space in the middle. Now you have Serge Gnabry and Thomas Muller to yeah. Alexis's point. Which is why you have, that's why you have a player like Lewandowski there is because exactly. he's going to draw defenders. Yeah. And well, so, I, yeah, go ahead. Let's go to the second goal, which mm-hmm. is Robert Lewandowski causing all kinds of trouble. Um, it's a longish ball. I believe Neuer kicks it, mm-hmm. uh, kicks it long. And it ends His up... His second one in like 10 seconds. Like he kicks it long, sort of long. He has that weird like scuffed instep foot yeah. that goes all the way back to him. And then he does it again the second time it works. So what I saw as sort of the, the root cause of this, and there are many extra causes afterwards, many, many fingers of blame could be pointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it starts off be. with Christensen, proper centre-back, mm-hmm. marking Lewandowski. A proper. Center Not just centre-back. Well, because the other centre-back is Aspilicueta, who is really a full-back who can kind of play centre-back, right? But what happens really, when the ball's in mid-air, there's a weird switch where Christensen backs off of Lewandowski, Aspilicueta goes and challenges this much bigger Polish man in the air and loses the header. And then the breakdown starts from there. Well, I think I think part of it is that uh, Christensen tracks Lewandowski as he makes that run. Marcus, uh, no, excuse me, Cesar Aspilicueta. Dave. Uh, Dave, excuse me. Uh, steps out because I think he's going to block the press. Then he comes back to challenge. And I think Christensen at that point kind of moves to cover almost. Like, yeah. like So when that ball goes over, when it gets flicked on, he's there to collect it. But he stops tracking Lewandowski and therefore isn't challenging. But now Aspilicueta is trying Why? to get back into position but, and therefore like an he's not in good thing? position. Is it because Aspilicueta has the armband? He can kind of, he steps up and takes responsibility there? Because I, mean, I just see like if I'm Christensen, I would have just stuck with him and gone through gone except, through that head of myself. So you say that, except that if it's Aspilicueta running back screaming, Dave's ball, yeah. you'd back off. You wouldn't then go challenge and be like, no, trust me, I know better. It's how it works. Yeah. Communication is communication. Well, Again, a lack of repetition, a lack of familiarity. This is also that goal where Gnabry sees the the crater of space at the back <laughs> yes. line. That, yes. Because Rudiger <laughs> never comes back. And of course, Rudiger has a guy. Maybe they're doing some type of zone. But Rudiger should know that if that falls apart on the right-hand side, he's now got to sort of fill that space. Gnabry sees yeah. that open space, and that's why that goal is created. Because if you're if you're a smart forward or a smart mid- attacking midfielder or a winger, you know you run into dangerous space. There's no more dangerous space than between the two center backs. And that's exactly what happens there. So now he has all the space he's face on with goal. I mean, So this is to Bobby's point of Chelsea not handling chaos well. But yeah. I think this is Rudiger. That for both of these goals, Rudiger, I think, or I, well, maybe I'm talking about the second and third one, but in this case, Rudiger, I think, creates a mistake and he doesn't have. Yeah. Um, no, actually, the first one as well, because he, he sort of hesitates uh, to cover um, Lewandowski on the first one, if I'm you not think mistaken. You're the third one. I yeah. am thinking the third yeah. one. All right. Well, anyway, Rudiger doesn't. Basically, you've got it in for Rudiger. Guys, I got to make one mistake. I can't be smart the whole time. My brain is warm right now. Um, <laughs> this machine is not built for this. Uh, but it's that space. If Rudiger covers, my, my theory is Serge Gnabry does doesn't make that run and yeah. if it doesn't make that run then then you're lost on the left hand side and you have to hold the ball up and maybe there's a chance that Chelsea can set their defenders back up Dude, you're exactly right 
that the second can we cut that out the, <laughs> the second the second Rudiger sees whether it's Christensen or Asbuk what to go for that ball it's just one of the number one rules of center back if somebody else steps to win a header win the ball you have to cover it the angle behind Rudiger doesn't do that the part that I found most interesting earlier in this play is that it's almost a perfect example of the chess match that happens in the build out phase where Chelsea wants to build out they want to build out what's or sorry Byron wants to build out Chelsea, Chelsea tries to press and Chelsea does a good job. We were talking about whether Azpilicueta should have stepped up to Nabry, mm-hmm. which I thought was the right decision. The second you decide to, to press, you have to go man to man. You have to bump to the closest player and you take the risk of, of going man to man behind you. And you would just assume that your center back can win that ball. If you're pressed properly and you're the build out team, what do you do? You may be trying to play, but you acknowledge that if they're going to step high, there are gaps behind them and you play into the second layer. Either you win the ball or you win the second ball. They got both of those. So I thought this was a, this was an example mm-hmm. of both sides doing the right thing. Chelsea pressed really well. Bayern tried to play out. It didn't work. And they intent in, intentionally, intentionally, intellectually, smartly. I don't know the right word there. Intelligently. I'm, at, I'm intelligently. God, that was. Man, I'm out of practice, guys. Intelligently play to the second layer, win the second ball, and take advantage of the space. And so I think maybe then it does go back to Daryl's point that, like, yeah, Aspilicueta, maybe he should have stepped because Tiago is wide open in the middle. And then there's an idea of if it all worked, if it went according to plan, it's, oh, they blocked off options, they forced them long, now it's a 50 50 header, Byron lose it, Chelsea reestablish possession. But Christensen isn't dominant enough there. And so even if it's Aspilicueta doing the right thing, it's still Chelsea's lack of familiarity with the system, I think. That's the type of thing. And you hear when Man City were at their prime, do you remember the quote from Pep Guardiola about Otamendi? No. About basically like he would trust Otamendi with his life. Otamendi and 10 more. I feel like he was lying. Probably, but that's what you have to do, right? You have to create. That job as a center back, and I think in, in Major League Soccer, it's Aaron Long, right? Aaron Long got defender of the year. Same with Ico. Like these guys that just can one v one win their battles. And I'm not saying Aaron mm-hmm. Long is as good as Christensen, but if you're in a pressing team, you have to know when everyone goes. My God, it's you and that other human being next to you, and you have to win that duel. And Christensen passed that duel off today. Where if you're the coach, you have to a be furious, but you also have to say, what did I do wrong that my center back did not feel empowered to win that to, to a take that duel or win that duel Aaron Long, of, Aaron Long may not have won that battle but I feel like Aaron Long would have been better positioned to deal with the foot race for the third goal is right. what I'll say there I, I <laughs> do have a question I do have a quick question uh, just so that I know what happens next if Rudiger covers that space and um, I, who was who was uh, to playing to the left of Rudiger because I know they were playing in the back three but I don't know who was covering Marcus Alonso it was Marcus Alonso if Marcus Alonso then now covers the next the next runner and there's still that one weak runner and that guy scores a goal that that's technically no one's real fault, right? Yeah. Because Rudiger made the right move. So mm-hmm. I think it is a mistake on Rudiger for not making the yeah, run. Yeah, we're not arguing sure. with yeah, you. No, no, I'm just saying in general. There are multiple causes. I know, I do. Rudiger I agree with you. All right, let's move on to the third goal. Wow. You're Alfonso, not letting me take over the show. Alfonso <laughs> Davies. Alfonso Davies, as Taylor was saying, basically breaks open uh, down Bayern's left side, Chelsea's right side. Would anyone uh, like to talk us... Actually, Alexis, would you like to talk us through Alfonso Davies? breaking down this side and unfortunately at least to begin with this isn't Rudiger's fault yeah uh, no it is not but I think what happens is a 50-50 ball with Muller if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. right yes um, and, the, and Reese James I believe and the ball just sort of bounces into space and Alfonso Davies just sees uh, like a clear lane ahead of him yeah um, I can't remember who the first defender is that tries to stop him doesn't get there in time there's actually two I think two people tried yeah, to they step too. in and he bursts between them it's almost like a, a talk show host coming out from between the curtains mm-hmm. yeah beautiful. and I think <laughs> I said this at the time it happened I think if Alfonso Davies is 
half a second slower as a mm-hmm. player. Yeah. This gets stopped yep. in that second, uh, that second Instead, slide he's tackle. He's a full second faster. As yes, a he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> so uh, two, two uh, slide tackles sort of missed their mark with him because he's mm-hmm. smart enough to play the ball uh, past them and then run, run around it. Christensen being the most egregious. That's Christian, the next but, slide tackle coming yeah, in. That's the, the second that slide tackle. And I believe yeah. it. What did you say in the bar when it happened? I said, your mama. That's what it <laughs> happened because it's like, dog, like, I get where Christensen's coming from. Like, I'm not going to chase this guy down and look like an idiot. I'd much rather try to take him out. You know what I mean? Because like he's he's gonna you're gonna lose in a foot race. Plus this guy's already full steam. I think it was his only option, right? Was to it go was. to ground, lunge, try and get. Not him. Only I don't that, think he's trying to take him out. I think he's actually trying to win the ball. He's just he's not there in time. He should he should have taken him out. Yeah. What, what, oh, okay. what yeah, would yeah. Thiago Silva, Sergio Ramos, Matt's like? What would these elite center backs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he just have out. done. You're not wrong. He does like he like goes into it and then I think realizes I'm not gonna win this. And you can see him like not go all the way through the way he probably should. You, got, you, oh. you have to take yeah. the foul there if you're not gonna win the ball. So we are now as a group questioning Christensen's mentality and tough and like willingness to do the hard things right i i, I suppose so i mean yeah. I, th- I i genuinely i think it's all three of the central defenders did not particularly cover themselves in glory yeah and i think each of them has individual mistakes that probably if you watch the game again you can see them happening multiple different times yeah they just don't get punished for it in the first half because byron were a little bit wasteful mm-hmm. uh in the second half i think much more so for sure here's okay, a question so- for bobby actually him not going full bore into that tackle this is before the red card so christensen? yeah christensen not going full bore into that tackle is him saying this one got a- got away from us if I go in and get a red card, that's going to mess us up for the next match, for the second leg. Is him saying, let me just preserve this. We could, we could find another goal if we have to. My guess is at that point, if that were me, I wouldn't be thinking about the team anymore. I would just say, if I get a red card, I can't. It's not about whether the team's going to win or I lose. I don't get to play anymore. It's the fact that if you play in a Champions League game, even if you don't win, you get a certain bonus. Uh you get to keep your spot in the team for the next league. So I think that was more about him. Oh, yeah, because Christensen's not guaranteed a start at Chelsea, right? Yeah. Certainly not in so the Champions if, League knockout games. So he right. doesn't want that. It was like, oh, Frank started me in the round of 16 and I only lasted 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's almost less of a problem if he gives up the goal than if he gives the red card. So I, my guess is he's not even thinking about the team at that point as much as his place in future games. Okay. That's All interesting. Right. Davis is away from Christensen, who's on his butt. Davis is charging into the area. Um, Rudiger is Davies at- or Davis? Alfonso. <laughs> Alfonso is Fonzie. charging into the area. Al. Um, Big Al. <laughs> at the back post is Lewandowski. Yeah. Marked by Rudiger. Mm-hmm. At some point, Rudiger has to make the decision do I leave Lewandowski or do I go over to Alfonso Davis? He doesn't Alfonso? commit to either one. He didn't know he like stutters in the middle, but I've got yeah. a lot of sympathy for him because there's no good choice here, right? You either, yeah, there is. He's committing let- to one of them. You either let... All right, we're not going to just rag on Rudiger here. You either let Alfonso run at goal... He messed or, up. Well, Bobby, what, do, what would you say on this? Because I would say he's in an impossible situation. He's got a winger bearing down on goal, and he's marking one of the best goal scorers in the world at the far post. You can't, And he's not, he's not the, in the middle, so he can't split the difference. Similar to the previous goal. If you make a commitment, you're not wrong. Commit to one of them. But if he'd say committed to just standing with Lewandowski at the far post, he's just letting Alfonso run at goal. And in hindsight, we would say, oh, why didn't he go over and try and cover? He's let Alfonso run yeah. at goal. And if he ran and covered and it goes back, he still scores. The one thing he That's couldn't do saying. is stutter in the middle and allow it to happen much easier, which he did. The, the main thing for me in that situation, if you were to talk about like the textbook, what you would teach players, and what they'll go over in film is for the center back for the center back is there's no easy it's not quite as easy as alexis makes it out to be although i appreciate that yeah um because even if you do take away the angle Lewandowski's movement is spectacular and he just goes forward checks back and has a shot from three yards deeper but i do think the number one thing you want to take away is that ball straight flat across the middle of the goal so you want to 
overcompensate to say, at least I'm going to make this a little bit more difficult. So Rudiger doesn't have a perfect answer there, but at least you want to go deeper toward the goal and cut out that angle first. So at least it has to come back at an angle. If you were to nitpick on the decision there. And I, and instead of doing that, I just want to give credit to Alfonso Davies. Yeah, I think, I think that's really the, the run. Right? The run itself is very impressive, as we've already talked about. I think the ability to recognize I am now in the clear, I can rapidly decelerate and get better control of the ball, all the while evaluating what Robert Lewandowski is doing, what Rudiger is doing, where I'm in relation to goal. Again, remembering that he's a teenager and easily could have just been like, now's my chance, and blasted it near post and put it out for a goal kick, or maybe it's just easily saved. And instead, I think evaluates the situation on the fly, recognizes Lewandowski is now open because Boateng hasn't like come all the way across to me. I can find that pass. Excuse me. Um, yeah, Boateng, that would be weird if he was trying to block that out. <laughs> yeah. But instead, um, yeah, I, th- I think that that's very well done by Alfonso Davies to slow it down, to find the space, to find the pass that leads to the goal. And he Bobby, hit you, him, he you hit him with the hezzy. You've seen, <laughs> you you've seen <laughs> this like a development in his game, right? In terms of making these really good decisions in the final third. Yeah, that's the jump that he made from 2018 when he really broke into Vancouver's lineup to 2019 when he cemented himself as the Alfonso Davies we know. So he was always incredibly fast. He always had these tools, but it was that little bit of i think that spanish people would say la paza it's that ability to slow down the game just a, a you know two images three images forgot about that you know it's not quite it's not quite yeah. the same as la paza but it's that idea is how can you slow down the game in your mind so that you can see more pictures in that yeah. moment and that's what he's added in 2018 he could get to these spots because because of his pace and his ability on the ball but then he would panic a little bit now he can slow down pick up his head and find options okay two questions to finish um is this over for chelsea they just lost 3-0 at home. They've got to go to the Alliance. It is over, right? And also got a red card, so no Marcus Alonso. I don't know if he oh, would have yeah. played anyway, but that doesn't help. Do you guys want to talk about the red card? I mean, to me, it's like he, he put his hand in his face and you're going to get I a think, red card. I, I slapped think, like, we rewatched it a bunch of times, but really, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't that interested because I think you put, your hands in a, you put your hands in the guy's face, you're going to get a red card. I think, I think I'll say this. I was kind of with the commentator that I think Robert Lewandowski is trying to make that run across Marcos Alonso, which is what you want to do as a forward because it makes the defender immediately stop. I think Alonso doesn't cede the ground. So you have that initial contact, then there's separation, then Lewandowski comes back across. And my initial read was, no, he's just trying to like swim past him. He's try- trying to create the space. Alexis Guerreros, to my right here, makes the point that if you're going to do that, like you do it with the opposite hand, not with your right hand back across the face. I feel like he could have easily like used the left hand to kind of push him aside and keep him at arm length that he then goes hands to the face is probably a bit more intentional so than I initially deliberate thought. hands to the face. 100%. I think he was trying to sell it as a swim move. I see. Yeah, but yeah. if you look, he cups his hand back and I think he's clearly trying to make contact with the dude's neck, face, chest, yeah. something of that nature. Bobby has a wry smile. What's that all about, Bobby? He's playing no chess. No wry smile. I have no opinion about this red card. Yeah, you do. I, I don't because... Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, it's just impossible. We have no idea. If yeah. he intentionally hit him on the face, it's a red card. If he accidentally hit him because it was a swim move, and I have no yeah. idea which it was. Right, the right smile is we have no idea, so what can we say? Well, then... Can yeah, I, yeah. I, I ask the, the expro a question then, if you don't mind. Then, my like, I do... Like, I'm a big fan of uh, looking at celebrations and trying to extrapolate information mm-hmm. from the way the team celebrates. Love that, I yeah. do also sort of look at moments after incidents like this, and Marcus Alonso has that sort of like, oh, I can't believe this is happening... But it's the uh, it's the Dave Chappelle joke about like if somebody calls you a liar when you didn't do the thing, how emphatically angry you get. And that Marcus Alonso was just sort of like, no, I I didn't do it. Like it was a very meek like reaction to it. And maybe that's being three 0 down. But to me, that's also sort of a like, yeah, I got caught. Like it's, that's what I feel. like. If I present authority, no one's going to get me yeah. wrong. But if you guys, I don't know if you missed this, but he goes over to to Lewandowski while he's on the ground and mm-hmm. sort of taps him twice on the cheek in a oh, very he, like a very disrespectful like, come on, you're making a meal out of this. Yeah, get up. Interesting. And I, to me, it's like, 
he realizes he's caught. If this guy gets up, maybe I have a chance to not get this red card. Maybe he doesn't go play that VAR. If, if I tap him on the face and I embarrass him to get up, maybe we got this. Which is, again, I'm thinking, again, as someone who grew up in Newark and kind of has a criminal mind, uh, what would I do in this situation? And that's what I would do. Any final thoughts before we uh, take a quick break? Well, I, well, I, I do want to hear Bobby. Bobby, Bobby they're like, do you put stock in that? That, like, if, if Alonzo, if you were, if you didn't mean to do that, you as a player, and you saw the red card coming, would you be very emphatic in your protest? Or would you just be like, there's nothing I can do? I always thought it was the opposite, actually. I really? always thought that. If you did something wrong, you're more likely to argue because okay. you're a you're probably fired up, and that's why you made the action anyway. Your mm-hmm. your intensity and passion is already heightened, but you're also trying to change their mind. Whereas if you're wrongly convicted of something, you're just like, what what the hell am I supposed to do right now? Like, what can you say? I don't even know where to start. So I thought it was the opposite, but okay, I mean, we're, who who really? I don't know that if that's how I would react if I were wrongly convicted, but but I, but I'll, I'll take your point. Well, you're just, you're just oh well, like, not oh well, <laughs> off, but you're at a prison lost, with me. You're like I can't even believe this is happening. To yeah, me. but again, we all just have different. This, I, so I wouldn't. I love that you're reading into it, but I do think this is a fruitless attempt. Okay. In that way. All right, let's spend a couple more minutes with it. Uh, I, t- I think fruitless attempt is a good segue uh, <laughs> to the idea of Chelsea in the second leg. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. RIP Chelsea. I think it's there. pointless yeah. at this point. I think give more minutes to the kids. Let let them. Let's see. I think they're doing that all season already. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, as opposed to sitting here being like, oh, maybe we get our best mm-hmm. lineup. Yeah, have fun with it. What are you going to do? Uh, you, well, you lost it. You took a you took a huge L at home. Yeah. We'll find out in a few weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe it is just uh, focus on fourth place and trying to get back to the Champions League next season. Yeah. Hey, this is Daryl cutting in before we talk about Napoli Barcelona. I want to let you know about The Athletic. The Athletic isn't just a place to get great podcasts like this one. It's also home to 400 of the best sports writers out there covering every major team in every major league in the US, Canada and the UK. One of the writers I really like at The Athletic is Michael Cox. Michael is doing a series right now called Cox's Iconic Shirt Numbers, the most recent of which is number six, more Pogba and Brazilian left-backs. That's why I read The Athletic, is because mixed in with all the breaking news, there's really interesting feature stories just like that. But don't just take my word for it. You can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial. Go to theathletic.com slash totalsoccer and you'll save 40% on an annual subscription. That works out to $3 a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world. So once again, go to theathletic.com slash totalsoccer to save 40%. We are back and we have seen the goals mm-hmm. and the red card mm-hmm. from Napoli versus Barcelona. Guys, this was on in the bar. They very nicely put it on for us, but we mostly watched Chelsea Bayern on the Mr. Bobby Warshaw did the, did the work, man. He called ahead. He made yeah. sure it was going to be there. I got people. You got people. What's the name <laughs> of the bar just so we can... Uh... Scallywags. Yep. Scallywags, all right. Scallywags. Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Don't you ever forget it, all right? They will put soccer place. on the screen for you. Where do you consider Hell's Kitchen in the hierarchy of New York districts? Uh, that was on that Scallywag is on ninth, uh, but it's like thirty eighth, which to me is just a little bit outside of uh, Hell's Kitchen. All right, I but think- imagine it was in Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen is uh, probably uh, like the third dopest neighborhood in Manhattan. <laughs> wow! Yeah. All right, did not see that coming. Top two? Huh? What top are the top two? two? Uh, this China- says if you Chinatown? don't know, if you don't live in New York City and you don't know. The way a person answers this question says a lot about you as a human being. Number yeah, one is sure. the crap part of Soho. We all know that. Yeah, oh, God. Um, yeah, it just it hurts your ears in that area. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Chinatown, uh, Chinatown slash Lower East Side area, and East Village. Those are the two dopest. All right. Wow. All right. I'll let have, you dissect New York people. I'll let you dissect that on your own. Yeah, I called myself a hipster, guys. <laughs> yeah, I have I have so little to say about this, this yeah. topic. I'm like, I've heard of Chinatown. Yeah. Yes. 
But we did watch Napoli Barcelona. We did. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. <laughs> Finish 1 1. Uh, Napoli took the lead. Dries Mertens' goal in the 30th minute. Barcelona equalised. Antoine Griezmann goal in the 57th. And then Arturo Vidal got those two yellow cards in quick succession, got sent off in the 89th. Let's start with that Dries Mertens goal. Um, so we can assign blame, we can assign credit. The big thing that I believe Bobby Warshaw spotted in the build-up, mm-hmm. the build-up from the back, starting with Espina, there was a nice little sort of odd def- odd move in the build-up play from Napoli. Yeah, the way the goal came about was that actually, Napoli actually started in their own box. They're trying to build out of the back. They go left, they cycle it from the left back, back to the center back, back to the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper has it. If you put a picture in your head of how a team usually builds out from that point, the two center backs go to the side of the 18, the outside backs go high and wide to the sideline, except on this play, the right back for Napoli, Di Lorenzo actually comes back inside to the spot that you would expect a defensive midfielder to be in. Yeah. So Griezmann, who is effectively the left winger for Barcelona at this point, who would usually step wide to take his counterpart, the right back, gets caught off guard. Di Lorenzo gets the ball, half turn, and can then break the lines on his own, which was just really cool to see a player. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just No, just, just a player maybe improvising, maybe, I'm not sure if it's in Gattuso as a manager's wheelhouse to draw this up. It's not really the type of yeah. thing he's known for. Even if he's not, he's at least letting them do it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or is it's this just, a reaction to Messi uh, going hard at Ospina? For sure, but you would still expect the outside back to go wide and collect it in that spot and the defensive midfielder to come in here. I really love seeing variations of build-outs. I think if you were mm-hmm. to project the sport forward in the next two or three years, we're going to see some really cool vari- variations on how teams build out with the new yeah, goal kick rule. Yeah, because it's all started changing. Yeah, with the new goal kick rule. It's with, all changed. Yeah, right? with center backs rotating forward, outside backs going inside. We're going to see some cool things and it's fun to see the early sprinklings yeah. of that right Long now. Long goal kicks are for punks. I, I do want to double down on what Bobby was saying because I, I think if you watch that again, uh, the the right back again was... Di Lorenzo. Thank you. Yeah, number uh, 22. When, when he goes central, I think to Alexis's point, it is sort of the awareness of, oh, Barcelona are pressing and trying to cut off those two options, and I know they're doing that. It's mm-hmm. not as though he waits to be cut off and then makes that run. He yeah, sees yeah. that kind of block developing and proactive. moves. Yeah. And I guess uh, the reason why I'm, I'm doubling down on that is just because contrast that with what we were talking about with Chelsea and the sort of lack of awareness, the lack of fluidity of moving around to adjust to what everybody else mm-hmm. is doing. And I think that right there exemplifies a team that was yep. well-drilled for what and the opposition was going to be doing. Not tactically interesting, but one sort of uh, mm-hmm. side effect of all this is that Leo Messi ends up on his butt. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the best place you can put him, right? Also, it's hard to, to, to be dangerous. Yeah. Let's give credit to Ospina for having the, the, I guess, the confidence to hold on to the ball for one yeah, yeah. second. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, oh, Lionel's going to Yeah, and he, he didn't panic with the ball, which I think is what Leo Messi was expecting. Mm-hmm. He didn't panic, and he actually stayed looking to his right and then passed to the right back quit come center. Yeah. So it almost didn't give Messi a chance to make that reaction. Yeah, and I would... On Barcelona's part, I don't think they did anything wrong here. You know, yeah. Griezmann went to press where he thought the right back would be. Credit to Napoli. But with that said, Barca made a huge mistake a few seconds later. Because as Napoli breaks the line, Di Lorenzo does a really nice job of making sure he plays forward. Barcelona drop into the mid block. But then Napoli breaks the line again. Which I really think, if you were to ask anyone, is is an unforgivable sin to allow a ball to be played through the gut of your defense yeah. from a mid block. This one goes straight down the middle in between. Ruiz, right? Splits splits two Barcelona Correct. Midfielders. In between Busquets and Frankie. And into the feet, I believe, of Dries Mertens. And Piquet's there, but I'm not sure he's helping. Piquet stepped out to try and make a challenge on Mertens. Maybe. It's unclear if he helped and threw off Mertens or actually just deflects a pass even harder yeah. off his own teammate who couldn't control it. 
Let, I'm so glad that Christian Polanco is not here because the teammate that couldn't control it is is Junior Firpo? I'll, I'll should, st- I be, should I be saying that? It's Firpo anyway, the, the Dominican left back. Yeah, I mean, if you're going full Spanish, it's Junior, but Junior, okay. I'll, but I'll, I'll step up in Christian Polanco's absence, and I think Alexis kind of swayed me on this one, that watching that again, I think it is, maybe it's PK getting a toe to it, and he kind of puts Firpo, like puts that ball to Firpo, I think yeah. Firpo doesn't see that coming. Or it something. is sort of blocked into the path of Mertens, who then no, plays no, it in. No, no, I want, I want Daryl to go word for word what uh-huh. he told us before we started recording about this oh I can't remember exactly what I said but I, and I still, yes but you I, do don't come on no, don't, I think don't I'll, do this I'll now I'll paraphrase with the myself on. and I'm still confident in my opinion I'm not trying to back out of it if you're a professional footballer you should be able to control a ball that comes at you Right. I just think that if you're first of all he's a defender Junior Fierpo alright <laughs> not known for their footwork he's no he's a left back he's a left back for Barcelona the ball's careened at him it bounces off of his thigh and he's backing off he's backing off with the line because now Napoli are coming at them so I think to expect him to be able to be on his his toes and moving forward to control that ball when he's literally backpedaling is a very difficult task. Maybe he could have done better. I'm not saying he did really well here. I just think there are some extenuating circumstances. And also, what does he do? He tries to fill the gap that PK has created by running all the way up, um, breaking the line. So, I mean, there's only so much he can do here. I mean, he could control the football. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. If, right, let, let, let me shoot there, a tennis ball I'll, at a machine I'll, hat. I feel comfortable saying it was in this space where... He didn't deal with it well, but it wasn't a mistake. Okay. And then from there, Napoli. Thank you were, for splitting the difference. That's yeah, and then moment. from there, it's this thing that happens. It's not as fun to talk about when making content, but it happens. And then from there, Napoli were just fantastic. They take mm-hmm. the space. Yeah, they have the first runner go near post and take the defender. In comes Merton in the second layer, and then from the top of the eighteen, it's Zielinski. I think squares it to him, right? Yeah, yeah. And then and Merton essentially has a free kick. He has that much time. He can square <laughs> it up, and so much so that Ter Stegen can't even react to it. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Incredible shot. Incredible setup. Yep. 1 0 so Barcelona. Pleased. So pleased. Yeah. All right. Barcelona's equalizer is 1 0 Napoli at that point. Excuse me. Yeah. Thank you. 1 0 Napoli. And Junior Fripper still. Day. It's been a long Junior Fripper still gets to have the hookah because it ain't his mistake. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, you had to, you had yeah. to get that last word. Right? Uh, of course he did. Caribbean, oh, yo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. All right. <laughs> Barcelona equalize. Uh, it's Griezmann in the 57th. And credit to um, Alexis Gross. Basically, the way we did this show is we all sort we, of gathered around. enough credit. We all gathered around like a 13 inch screen laptop and tried to watch these goals and figure out you know where did this come from what happened um it was alexis that spotted the big big thing uh the big hole in napoli's sort of four five one which had been somewhat impenetrable right it's what they tried to do deny all the space was maximovich being dragged out yeah um and i don't remember but i do remember being right about this (laughs) (laughs) alexis spotted arturo vidal yeah that's right dragging maximovich which was the what left center back if i'm not mistaken yep um out of the space again creating this crater of a hole and i mean you give that much space to um to barca and they're going to exploit it i can't remember who made the pass but beautiful uh through ball do you bobby do you remember who put that it was busquets it was a ball breaking the lines off comes vidal who bounces it back, and then Busquets plays the third-man run as the outside back, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, comes in behind the defense, and yes, then from there, there, a square ball for a goal. You, if you're a coach, this is your mm-hmm. this is your dream. This yep. is the type of thing that makes you happier than anything else. 
the first run pulling a defender out, the third man run attacking that space, and a perfectly weighted pass. It's so good that uh, Griezmann did nothing to deserve that goal. You know what I mean? <laughs> All my man had to do was plant his foot. The ball was passed to him and careened off of it, went in the goal. It was incredible. If you're someone like Griezmann, you look at that, you got to buy three people dinner that night. <laughs> <laughs> he can afford it. Um, 89th minute, Arturo Vidal is sent off for two yellow cards in yeah. quick succession. So One I'm not- for being Arturo, the other one for being Vidal. Which I thought- <laughs> is the first yellow just for the the big old slide tackle yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay and the second yellow is what for forehead, forehead. Head afters the afters yeah. afters yeah. is mm-hmm. the good word right oh, he vidaled he, he, he got vidaled. he got angry he started yelling at people and then he went forehead to forehead it seemed to me like maybe something was said or something was done when they were both on the ground because he reacted rather angrily to cause the head to head yeah stuff. yeah so um, which i again i'm all for i love that i love the conca cafe you know uh condobole style yeah. how, did, how did you how did you narrate the double yellow you, i said yeah. What, uh, what, Fuagada, and and then the red is, uh, out of here. <laughs> I can't say the first one because I know you guys. Oh, Cooligans out of here. <laughs> it's funny. We we joke. You made this, the, the CCL comment or the the Concacaf comment. We kind of joke like, oh, yeah, maybe does Barcelona watch MLS or CCL? But there's also a legitimate chance that Arturo Vidal really does sit around on Tuesday. I guess it'd be like Wednesday morning at 4 a.m. in Europe, and he's like, guys. Montagua's on. Let's, we <laughs> yeah. got to do this right yeah. now. This stuff is beautiful. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of The Strongest? <laughs> we got to watch. <laughs> I'm going to play for them one day. The it's the greatest. You know, there's yeah. a, <laughs> Arturo Vidal is going to retire to Olympia. There's, yeah. a, there's a team called <laughs> Club Always Ready, and that is the gulliest name of all time. <laughs> what? Yeah. Club Always Ready. C-A-R. Hell yeah, dude. Wow. All right. Yeah. Nice. So he spells car, which is yeah. cool. um, All right. So it finishes. Uh, less hardcore. One, one, one. Um, this is, so this was Napoli's home leg. One away mm-hmm. goal for Barcelona. Yeah. What do you think about second leg? I think we're going to see a very defensive Napoli, which Napoli fans probably won't like. But that would be my guess is that they sit in very deep and look to counterattack and maybe try to steal one on the so road. So probably do the same thing, mm-hmm. but tell Maximovic, or maybe maybe it's Koulibaly mm-hmm. is back at that point, don't follow Arturo Vidal. Yeah. Mean, it's, oh, it's, they won't have to because he got a red card. It's the there strange situation <laughs> of, of of away goals mattering that like like they're literally down, essentially, going mm-hmm. into that second leg because Barca got the goal on the road. So even though it seems strange to say like needing a goal, I think Napoli are going to sit in. Needing a goal, I think Napoli are yeah, going to Yeah, actually, you and I were talking about this the other day, right? That even though you look at a lot of Champions League two-leg type things, and you would look at this and say, oh, Napoli are down with the away goal. You yeah. would, like, it's really easy to think, oh, and they're going to have to go and attack mm-hmm. in the second leg. But teams always still go with like a sort of counter-attacking defense-first game plan because yeah. the stakes are so high. And Unless they won't PSG. switch it up until, <laughs> until later on. Yes. And if you do watch that game... Dora, we were talking about leg? yeah, we were talking about Napoli's defensive shape. Yeah, it's just a, it's a fun thing to watch. It starts in a four five one. Yeah, but they have both effectively. If you think a four three three, both you know eights step up, so it often looks like a four four two. It's just a, a little yeah. detail that's a little bit wonky. You don't see that often. In our and, preview, we called it uh, the four five one with pop outs. Oh, so they would pop out and cool. go and sort of uh, like just put a bit of pressure on the yeah. ball. Then if it goes the other side, they pop back and the other guy pops yeah. out. Yeah, you know, it, it's very evident. It's it, you pointed out during the game, and it was cool to watch. Yeah, you know, like if you've got a plastic bag or a ziploc bag and there's too much air in it, but if you squeeze one side, the other the other side pops out. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess kind of like that. Yeah. Also, I'll great, great song by Polo G as well. Pop Excuse out. me. It's a great song by a rapper. You guys, oh, okay. <laughs> it's for the one listener you have who knows hip hop. Daryl actually, Daryl actually weirdly has all of his CDs. You yeah. wouldn't think he'd even go CDs. Yeah. You think he'd like buy them digitally? No, Daryl, no. he's committed to the discs. It's all on mini disc. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me music was meant to be listened to. <laughs> Scratched up compact discs. For eighteen yeah. months, it really was. Yeah, <laughs> I had one. 
<laughs> all right guys thank you for sitting in our tiny hotel room well um, we didn't give a review for the second leg what do you think is going to happen in the second leg oh we just kind of did it but what do you who do you think is going to win we didn't say it was going to win oh who do you think is going to win um i think i think uh i don't think um napoli is going to play that defensively i think they're going to be able to score and they're going to win all right that's a strong take yeah you'll be hearing about this when it doesn't happen uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, any thoughts? Since since Alexis is a, a brave to prediction, uh, what what do you think? I just generally take the stance that what Alexis said is accurate, and it was good to be <laughs> yeah. back. It was good to be back on with you guys. Yeah, that's the fastest way to end the conversation, right? Yeah. Is to yeah. agree that what Alexis said <laughs> was accurate, and we all had a good time. <laughs> if we did and- this from the beginning, we wouldn't even had to do a podcast. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but sincerely, thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Alexis. That was an honor. Thank you, Taylor. That's fair. As always, listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again later in the week.